it is the last day of bookvember that's i think what i decided to go with and last day meaning last day for us and this episode's not coming out on a wednesday which is surprising to a lot of people but if you were here with us in the summertime where we released random bonus episodes on a Saturdays, then you know that sometimes it's just a Saturday week. Yeah, things get a little crazy around here sometimes. Sometimes we mix it up. Not to keep you all on your toes. So this is one of those times. Yes, yes, yes. And the reason why we're actually releasing on a Saturday is because the interview that I have this week is more of like a feature. Ooh. I was on a Shelf Love podcast for the second time <laughs> in your face, Katrina Jackson even though you have seven appearances on Shelf Love. My two were great, too. <laughs> You're this getting there. The You're getting one. there. You're slowly taking her I'm, down. Exactly. I'm slowly taking her down. It's my second appearance on Shelf Love. And we were talking about non-monogamy and polyamory and romance novels, of course, because Shelf Love is a romance novel podcast. Seems appropriate. Exactly, right? So I decided, why just leave this audio only for Shelf Love listeners? You guys need to hear this too. So I talked to Andrea Martucci and give her some basic definitions of polyamory and non-monogamy. And we have general conversations around that. And then we dive in and talk about Neighborly by Katrina Jackson and Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. You probably heard these two books mentioned before many times. It's okay. You'll never get enough of them. Also, there is this thing that I do where I keep calling the one of the characters from Neighborly Haven when her name is Heaven. I, there's a point in time where I'm just saying Haven Heaven. Like, that's just her name now. <laughs> Haven Heaven. Sorry, Katrina. I, yeah. These things happen. I mean, <laughs> I, ha- I, I Heaven is kind of a haven, I think. Is how that works? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of things that just, you know, here we are. So there's that. And I thought it'd be a great way to round out the month just because it was a fun conversation. We had a great time. Andrea and I have this great chemistry where we can both be kind of snarky with each other. And also she's interested in non-monogamy and like learning about it from, you know, more of an academic standpoint in that this is not my thing, but it is your thing and I'm interested in what you're interested in sort of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, You being snarky, I, could, I, I couldn't imagine. But if you say that's how it works, I'm going to believe you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and too rude? Like, for real? I'm, I'm just saying. But yes, uh, I'm sure you guys have a lovely chemistry. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. So before that, let's see. Is there anything hip and hopping in polyamory news? Well, honestly, there should be nothing hip and hopping happening because we're still in a fucking pandemic. Yeah. You should. All the news should be. We sit at home. And still polyamorous, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. Uh, it's hard out here. I mean, what, what what we thought in the beginning was going to be just a couple of months has turned into almost an entire fucking year. Yeah, crazy just, how that worked out. <laughs> we're just like, damn, pandemic. inside for a month, that's going to be crazy. But once you get through this, we're going to be okay. And here we are many, 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 many months later. Oh boy. We're, we had, a, there's a, it's a pregnancy. You, we have, people have had whole ass babies. They got pregnant at the beginning of the pandemic and have had babies. Like, think about that. All right. Little like, corona babies. So, got a name for them for a second. Yeah. Corona, coronials. Is that it? <laughs> I think that's a terrible name. <laughs> no, please, please don't ever say that again. Hey, please it's going to become a thing. You just watch. It's going to be, you know, us and the Zoomers and then coronials. <laughs> That sounds so terrible. If 
if this becomes a thing, I'm I'm gonna have to fight somebody. I don't know who yet, but I'm gonna have to fight someone. Someone's gonna have to throw hands with me. Volunteer as tribute so I can beat. Okay, he's gonna step out the house ready to throw hands. Okay, fair enough. It's gonna be like 2010 Twitter. <laughs> you roll up on people's doors. And you're like, "What is your address? I am coming to you to fight right now." <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so maybe we shouldn't make that a thing because Jenna's gonna fight you. Not me though. It's not my idea. Totes. But you know, she's gonna yeah. fight somebody else. Mm-hmm. I just I need to work off that kind of excess rage at hearing that word, coronials. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's see. You regret nothing. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. And there's some interesting things I think that we have to consider now. We're getting to the holidays. This episode comes out right after Thanksgiving, but we're recording it before Thanksgiving. Um, you know, Jamaica doesn't have Thanksgiving, so it's not something they really consider there. But in the U.S., I guess Thanksgiving is this huge-ass holiday for some reason. Yeah, huge-ass holiday. So eating food. I mean, I can get behind the food-eating part. We, we, we love eating food in Jamaica. So that kind of works out, even though we, we save all that for Christmas. So, you know. I mean, That's true. it's another excuse to eat food. So I'm, I'm all for that. All for it. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to my dad's probably. Uh, my roommate's mom is in town. She's going to come over to the house as well. So it's going to be kind of like a double Thanksgiving for me um, with safe people who've been tested for COVID. Of course, <laughs> as all things should have be. have done the thing. I literally just got tested over the weekend. So my results came back in today. I'm negative as usual. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, wearing my mask, staying home, only leaving the house to go to work and go home. I go to the grocery store like once every six to eight weeks. Do you, do you, do you know my life? You don't know my life. Like some people are out of the store every other day, gallivanting. I just realized you said six to eight weeks. What? Yes. Yes. I go to the grocery store once every month or two. Do you, do you not? I buy enough groceries to last me that entire time. Wow. That is efficient or you just don't eat much i don't know which one it is i have to take, it's take a peek inside your fridge okay oh you don't want to look inside my fridge i'm surprised that shit could close ah, i see you want <laughs> don't to move anything right, otherwise enough. the things will fall over okay ah okay i mean yeah. that's probably the better way to live especially right now you, you pack that shit up mm-hmm. yeah i do i do but uh yeah so that's what's happening in my life um i'm just doing my thing i don't get to see anyone i don't get to do anything especially because my job has me still in the office for 12 hour days and they might get longer as cases rise thank you COVID 19 okay, pandemic yeah. people for getting sick um as if it wasn't bad luckily enough. for me yeah right and Luckily for you guys, we have a ton of content already recorded. All that's missing is intros and outros, which will happen when I have time to make them. <laughs> It'll happen, though. It'll happen. Um, so that's pretty much my catch-up. Sham, you got nothing spicy going on in your life? Have you, have you had any long-distance digital get-downs of the polyam COVID variety? You know, I haven't yet. But I'm starting to think it might have to become a thing because I was just waiting for this to be over so, you know, you could meet some new people or something. But that's not what happens. So maybe I need to start connecting with people online and start start there and then maybe work my way up to the real world. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's an idea. best place to do that, I think, is, of course, our friends at altplayground.net. As you know, altplayground.net, Ooh. number one place for people of 
whichever lifestyle, but you know, we're polyamorous, so we support the poly lifestyle on there. Great place to connect. And, you know, I'll pick your own monsters to talk about our favorite part of their wonderful website. My favorite part is, of course, the big wall. Not because it just reminds me of a, a certain part of Carnival in Jamaica, but also because it's just like, how do I explain this? So the big wall is kind of like a timeline on many different apps, but the difference is it's kind of curated by all playground themselves in that they give like a theme and then everyone, you know, tries to, to match the theme. So like Monday was what we did last night. Now you can probably guess what came up on what we did last night as the theme of the day. A lot of sex. A lot of, a lot of people going like, oh, we did this last night. And I was like, oh, you had a very good night. Oh, you had a very good night too. Surprisingly, not a lot of people having like, you know, watching Netflix and in their pajamas or nothing. You know, nobody's having boring Sunday nights. Not everybody having sex, but good for them. And happy they're sharing it with me via Alt Playground. So I think that's one of the things that makes Alt Playground so special and unique. You've got to check it out. Altplayground.net. You can, you know, of course, find it on in our on our, on our website. In the show notes, we usually have a little link there because they're wonderful people and we want to connect you to them. So Altplayground.net. Get it. Yes, yes. Don't forget to check out our community once you sign up to Alt Playground. Because in our community... I make shampoo sexy photos of me. Of course. What what because... what more could you want? <laughs> yeah. And, of course and also we, little... we post links to our latest podcast yeah. stuff. Little, but little also podcast sexy corner. photos of yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, you already got the yeah. podcast, but the sexy photos. That, that's the bonus. Bonus. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great thing to talk about. So, Shams told you his favorite part of Alt Playground. I think... We have the same favorite. I do. I love the theme. I love a theme. I love a theme. Titty Tuesday. Uh, I love, I love titties. I mean, I don't we all? We are we are pro titty podcast here on a monogamish pod. Titties on all the people. Free the titty, I'm, protect I'm the city. Everybody. That's right. Free the titty, protect the city. What's that one? Wear a mask. What's, what's the other one? Yes, I think, oh, there's another one. But I think it was it came from the wear a mask, but not a, not a bra. I think was the idea. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, something like, you see, there we go. That's it. You know, that's it. Wear a mask. No bras allowed. I I mean, I have to wear a bra to work because otherwise it'll be headlight central all day because that bitch is cold. But. Stupid work. Oppressing titties, but. Right. Still we rise. Oppressing the titties. Still we rise and Alt Playground is to thank for that. I get to post my titties and see other titties on Titty Tuesday. And with that being said, I'm Jen. Mm. I'm Sham. And and we're monogamous. Yes, yes, yes. So now it's time for you to hear my lovely interview with Andrea Martucci on Shelf Love Podcast. So insert that audio right about here. Hello, and welcome to episode 70 of Shelf Love, a podcast where we have thought-provoking, critical discussions about literature's most polarizing genre, romance novels. I'm your host, Andrea Martucci, and my guest today is Jen, host of the Monogamish podcast. Today, we are going to demystify consensual non-monogamy, aka polyamory, 
We're going to talk about two romance novels that explore different types of polyamorous relationships, Neighborly by Katrina Jackson and Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And we are going to talk about Bad Polyamorous Rep in Romance and Media. Jen was also a guest in episode 59, where she interviewed me about my sordid journey into romance podcasting, and I am so thankful that she dropped in again. Thank you for being here again, Jen. Thank you for having me. As it is my goal to take over Katrina Jackson's spot as your top podcast guest, it requires a lot of like consistency, planning, determination, and just being able to do neener, 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 I'm here again to mm-hmm. Katrina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like how I'm also low-key trying to steal her from you. I'm also trying to steal you from her. It's a circle. It's a circle. Okay. So this is your second stop on Shelf Love. Katrina's at seven episodes on Shelf Love. Listen, I can make it happen. I can do this. You just have to put me in, coach. I got this. <laughs> and she's been on Monogamish, your podcast, twice, is it now? Yeah, she's been on twice. The first time we talked more about like her work specifically and what made her want to start writing polyamorous and non-monogamous romance. And then her most recent appearance was more about non-monogamous representation in Black romance novels. And just a quick question, Jen. Do you want more of Katrina Jackson or do you want to be Katrina Jackson? that's a hard question i don't think the listeners are ready for that answer by the listeners that i mean katrina because it can sound creepy to say you want to be somebody i just want to be in katrina's work (laughs) wait so so you want to influence katrina so that she basically creates like self-insert jen self-insert Jen or just I give her a great romance non-monogamous idea mm-hmm. and then she writes it with her Katrina-ness. Because I've heard that romance writers lack for ideas and that they really love it when people send them things that they would like them to write. Totally that's exactly how it works. So Katrina in case you're wondering I have some ideas about Shantae and Asif so when you're ready for that I got you. <laughs> You know where to find her. Jen, let's start by talking definitions. So we're going to talk about a couple different things. You can tell me if they're similar, the same, whatever. So let's start with consensual non-monogamy. What does it mean? Okay, so we're going to talk about this in a broader way than you expect, probably, because consensual non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, it's pretty much the same thing because any relationship you're a part in should be consensual and ethical, ideally. So it's that large umbrella term, which describes any relationship where all the participants are agreeing to have multiple concurrent sexual or romantic relationships. And the specifics, of course, vary from person to person or relationship to relationship. So like I said, that's the big umbrella term, but there's so many other little things that go underneath that, like swinging, which of course we all know from movies and TV, polygamy, which of course is multiple wedded spouses, but usually like men having multiple wives. Um, For women is what polyandry, I think for women. So Open relationships, which is pretty much, I think, one of the more common ideas of how we understand consensual non-monogamy, where you're allowed to engage sexually with other people. Because usually when someone says open relationship, it's very much sex-based. And then monogamish, which is (laughs) the name of my podcast, even though my pod partner and I are not monogamish at all. (laughs) Dan Savage came up with that term. He's like monogamous with some squishing around the edges. So it is more sexually based as well, where you're monogamous people, but occasionally maybe a threesome, maybe like a a one-off situation. Mm -hmm. 
And then polyamory, which is what I am specifically, which has to do with having multiple loving partners simultaneously with the knowledge and consent of everyone involved. So it's different from swinging because swinging is also very much sex-based and polyamory is more about that intimate romantic. We use romantic in a way, but people can be polyamorous and aromantic. So there's multiple loving relationships, put it that way. There is a lot of love there. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, we're all polyamorous, right? Because you love multiple family members, you love Mm -hmm. multiple friends. So this idea that you can't be polyamorous and be happy or any of those things, kind of like, well, you have more than one friend, you have Mm -hmm. more than one family member you care about. So what's so different there? What's different? Right. Yeah. So applying that idea that you can have multiple friends, one you really love going to the movies with, one you talk about books with, Another one you grew up with and you have all this history together. That idea that you can have different people in your life for different sort of friend emotional reasons, applying that then to what we would traditionally consider something you would only have with one person or one person at a time in a romantic sexual relationship, romantic and or sexual relationship. Yeah, exactly. So I said, I am, I've been told I'm greedy because not only am I polyamorous, but I'm also pansexual. So really I'm just hitting... All the things out the ballpark today. All the people, all the time. (laughs) All the people, all the time. All the love. Give it to me. (laughs) But yeah, so that's how I'm looking at it and describing it these days. If you've listened to earlier episodes of the podcast, of course, you'll know our definitions and thoughts and ideas change based on who we talk to, what we learn, etc. God, growth is so annoying. (laughs) And so important. So important. (sighs) That too. (laughs) Okay, so what is toxic monogamy yeah there is an idea of toxic monogamy and so any relationship that is consensual and ethical is not necessarily toxic so mm-hmm. a lot of people perceive it as oh you non-monogamous people you're just trying to shit on monogamy i mean i make everyone just mm-hmm. like you not even that this glorification of intense possession and jealousy that's a part of like toxic monogamous culture just like how we talk about how toxic the patriarchy is mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just it's it's things like that things that are harmful like the idea that if you're committed to someone it has to be exclusive that marriage and children are the only valid justifications for being in a relationship that every need that you have your partner should be the one to meet that and vice versa Mm-hmm. And like jealousy is an indicator of love. Not just that we're glorifying, but it's also the, it's the way to prove that you love someone mm-hmm. by being so insanely jealous <laughs> that you end up doing some weird ass shit. So many romance novels, particularly of a certain era, used that trope of jealousy as a way to reveal intense emotion or yeah like the depth of feeling is exclusively expressed like they can't say i love you but they can smash a window because they're jealous yeah smashing a window or also the idea that you being in love with someone or you having that intense love with someone means that you can't ever be attracted to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like we, we talk about these things like, oh, I have a hall pass for Halle Berry. Like she's the only person that we both agree is attractive enough that maybe one day if I were to, obviously we're never going to meet Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just those kinds of ideas. Speak for that yourself, don't... Jen. <laughs> okay, fine. Myself, if I ever met Halle Berry, listen, hall pass, hall book all year she get the whole thing (laughs) okay that's a fine-ass black woman i'm gonna give her that but i guess it's that idea that 
you get to control everything that your partner thinks and feels and that of course they in turn get to control you in that way which is not usually how it works because it's usually the mask presenting partner that's doing all of that stuff but i digress that's a whole different conversation (laughs) so let's talk about now the other end of the spectrum so we have defined what consensual non-monogamy is it's this umbrella over a variety of other practices that come in all different shapes and flavors and then we've pulled out some ideas about monogamy that are seen as particularly toxic for people who are practicing non-monogamy. What are the basic rules that are important for good poly? And sorry, actually, hold on real quick. I just said good poly, but my understanding is actually that poly frequently refers to people who are Polynesian. Words are complicated. It's context, right? It's context, yeah. So there are some Polynesian people that we are aware of who prefer the term poly be used in reference to them because they are Polynesian, that's their thing. And so we try to use polyam out of respect for those people. So you know, polyam, short of polyamory, as opposed to just shortening it as poly. But there are people who are like, I'm Polynesian, that doesn't bother me. Listen, it bothers some people. Not everyone's going to feel the same way about the same thing. So... Mm-hmm. You will hear poly still being the word that a lot of people use. Some people will use polyam. I use polyam quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, like, does polyam also go like Polynesian American? See? <laughs> and, and unless you're seeing it in text where you can see the capitalization and, and all, it, it is very confusing. So let me just say the whole word. But, anyways, FYI, poly, polyamory, I'm just going to use the whole word. What are some important rules for good? polyamory or like what defines consensual and ethical non-monogamy okay of course we're all being on the same page is the most important thing it's never the idea that anything can be happening in the relationship that no one knows about we're not keeping secrets about how we are operating Mm -hmm. we've had a discussion about what our boundaries are what our expectations are and how we want to proceed in this relationship so for example When you are in a monogamous partnership, this is just an example, there tends to be a lot of implicit things, a lot of things that we just think we understand, right? Once you start dating somebody, there's this assumption that you guys are exclusive, Mm -hmm. right? And then so you proceed along the relationship escalator in that way, like, oh, we're dating, now we're in a relationship, now Mm -hmm. we're engaged, now we're married, and we're progressing up this relationship escalator sort of thing. In poly and in non-monogamy, communication is key. We take nothing for granted. There is no assumption there. You cannot assume that when you're engaging with someone, that they mean the same thing that you do. So when I say I am solo poly, for example, and this is just a thing I am, but also if I say I'm solo poly and you say you're solo poly, we might have two completely different definitions of what that means and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So even though we're using similar terminology, it don't mean that we're practicing the same thing. So what you're saying is that words have no meaning. (laughs) Words have no meaning and then also have all the meaning. (laughs) Okay. It, it, it can seem very complex, but yeah, good communication and all of us being on the same page about what we're doing and frequent check-ins are also necessary. And people are thinking we're supposed to do that in monogamous relationships too. It's like, surprise, it might just be that, oh my God, love is love. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that everything that we perceive to be this really great version of polyamory should be happening in all of our relationships. Yeah. And as you just said, 
all of these things should be happening in all of our relationships, but what you alluded to was this idea that when you're in a relationship that's monogamous and is considered the norm, quote unquote, there's all sorts of assumptions people make. And this often leads monogamous people into trouble because different people have different sort of cultural understandings of what things mean because words mean things, but they also don't mean things. And if you're like, oh, we're dating, what does that mean? Does that mean you're not able to see other people? Does that mean you are just casually seeing each other, but you can see other people? Unless you actually sit down and say, what does this mean? You can get into all sorts of trouble with people assuming they know. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, that's one of the big things that we can say about non-monogamy. Despite what TV tells you, it is way less sex than you think. <laughs> because <laughs> if you're doing it right, you're probably talking way more than you're fucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah. 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 I don't know why I asked that. It's I'm not subject to the FTC. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, so there's a lot more communication happening. So for example, let's use uh, you, me, and Katrina. Right. Uh We're we're in a thing. Technically, we're in a relationship. Katrina is we'll call Katrina your primary partner. And I'm just using (laughs) the word primary in this instance, not to denote any kind of we've been together longer. You've been together longer. You're doing the thing. You and Katrina have a great relationship going. Mm -hmm. Katrina and I also have a little thing happening. We have a little relationship here. It doesn't make your relationship any less important definitely it just means that it's different so she'll be seeing me sometimes she's with you a lot of the time and we've worked out a schedule right we've worked out that we're both seeing katrina we both have this thing let's talk about how this can present what who gets holidays who gets Mm -hmm. to share certain key events is it that you want us to all be together in the same room while loving each other and being happy or are our relationships running it like we all see each each other other? one-on-one Yeah. You and me, me and Katrina, you and Katrina. Are we allowed to see other people? Is this a closed situation where it's just us together all the time? Mm -hmm. Or are we allowed to engage with other people? Are we allowed to engage only sexually? Are we allowed to engage in a romantic way? Mm -hmm. Uh, What does that look like? How are you going to be able to balance having multiple relationships with multiple people of a certain nature? Are they all going to be romantic, intimate? Are they all going to be like just casual whatever happens we're free for all we'll figure it out when it comes i don't know but you see you katrina and i should be all together having this conversation about how our relationship is going to move forward okay so we should have this conversation together as opposed to me having this conversation with you and you having the conversation with her and me having the conversation with katrina yeah we could decide i could say look look Mm -hmm. jen you and i we're going to have this conversation then you go talk to katrina i'll go talk to katrina too we could decide that right We could decide that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and again, that's the beauty of us designing our relationship, how we want it to work. Mm -hmm. Do we want to make all decisions together? Do we want to make them individually in the decision that works best for the each individual tier of the triangle? Because of course, now we're in a triangle, Mm -hmm. three of us. So you know, the relationship that you and I have is definitely not what Katrina and I have and definitely not what you and Katrina have. So we got to build our own shit. We got to build our own Mm -hmm. connections and our own understanding. But (laughs) it's that we get to decide how we want to engage with each other, when we want to engage with each other, the kinds of things we want to do together, how our relationship will grow or maybe change. And maybe we mm-hmm. won't want to be together romantically anymore. What does that look like for all of us in this partnership together? How do we uncouple? <laughs> will my relationship with Katrina change if you come on shelf love for seven times? Yeah, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's talk about <laughs> it and find out how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
you have a podcast called Monogamish, and you are a real-life practitioner of consensual non-monogamy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do on the podcast? What's the format? Who do you talk to? What's the community that you're really speaking to and creating content for? See, that's an interesting question. I say that our podcast is discussing non-monogamy and polyamory through a Black Caribbean lens. As a Black Jamaican woman born and raised, Sham is a Black Jamaican man born and raised. He's still there right now. I am living overseas. So we're approaching it from that whole me being queer and a woman and being straight and a man and both having different versions of polyamory as well. He is married (laughs) to a lovely woman. They have done triads before. They do individual relationships as well. I am not married to nobody. I'm that Pringle in the bottle of the can that you got to stick the two fingers down there to grab. That's me. I'm down there. (laughs) So how we be dirty because it was. It definitely was supposed to be dirty. Thank you. (laughs) I like to say that we're talking to brown and black people you know people in color in general but specifically to the brown and black people who were told that's some white people shit (laughs) and we're made to believe this is some white people shit and that no self-respecting black person would ever do something like this i've heard that before in my real life Uh, so that's the audience we're speaking to and people who are interested in learning about non-monogamy and polyamory with us because we definitely don't know everything (laughs) and uh We do interviews with a lot of people. Some might be influential in the Black Poly community, like Ruby Bowie Johnson. She puts on Poly Dallas Millennium. Uh, We have Cherie Calico Roman and Shanae Jackson Kendall. They are the founders of the Polycultural Diversity Alliance, which they have a very funny story. You guys have to listen to that (laughs) on the podcast, just how that name came into being. But yeah, they're movers and shakers in the Black Poly community. They put on Black Poly Pride. We have Dr. Zaleika Hepworth-Clark. She is a psychologist, and a lot of her clients are also non-monogamous. We talk to her about stuff. I could keep going on. We have some really great guests who've been on there. Kevin Patterson, who is probably one of the more famous polyamorous Black people you will ever know. He's on talk shows. He was on the Tamron Hall show with his wife and some of their partners talking about non-monogamy and polyamory. And he has a book. (laughs) and he's great so we try to bring on everyday people of course like me to talk about how they're living and loving and also trying to hit them with the one two with the famous people because i I can have famous people too not just you andrea i too can have famous friends on the podcast famous people too (laughs) yes that's what i do (laughs) so that's what we do we talk to people we cover pop culture items oh yeah i make sham talk about romance novels pretty often and reality dating tv shows I think he like low-key hates me for that, but he can't get rid of me because we're together. We're stuck together in this podcasting time. But not just together, but also (laughs) together. Yes. (laughs) Jen, you love romance novels. I do. You do. You sure do. Most romance novels are focused on monogamy. This will not surprise anyone who reads romance novels or who just has a vague perception of romance novels. What itch do romance novels scratch for you, somebody who does not necessarily desire a monogamous relationship in your real life? I read romance novels as more of an escape. So it's like fantasy for me. I don't generally see myself on the page at all as a pansexual black woman, as a Jamaican woman, as, you know, an immigrant in this country. I don't see myself 
very often, if at all, in any sort of book you can come across. And then you just tack on the fact that I'm polyamorous. It's like, where the fuck are you? Where mm-hmm. are you out there in the world? So mm-hmm. I'm not one of the people who reads romance to find versions of myself and representation. I read it for entertainment. And also, thanks to shows like your podcast, I sometimes think critically about romance novels and about the media that I consume. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm touched. So- very touched. <laughs> yeah. So there is that. But I've been reading romance for many years. My mom was a big romance reader. I grew up with the Mills and Boons and the Harlequins around the house. My first memories of reading a romance novel is me being a toddler, sitting in front of my mother on the toilet because kids never leave their parents alone. If <laughs> you have a kid, you definitely know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is reading her romance novel, having her special toilet time. And I am being obnoxious with my romance novel, one of the ones I plucked from her shelf, upside down, <laughs> like trying to read along with her and trying to explain the story to her. Because mm-hmm. that's what I do. But yeah, so romance has been a part of my life for, yeah, ever, <laughs> in a mm-hmm. sense. So it's comfort, it's entertainment, it's an escape. It is, this is not going to happen in real life. Like real life is not like the romance novels of the 90s and 2000s. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And if it is, we got some, we got some things to talk about. (laughs) One thing that I feel like the romance novels I read from like the 80s and 90s that did not translate at all to my adult life was this concept of dating. Do you notice that, so we're both millennials, Like, people don't date anymore. And I think this phenomenon has been actually studied. But one of my questions has always been, particularly when I'm reading these, like, teen romances from, like, the 80s, did people actually date like that in the 80s? Or was that romance novel fantasy idea of dating? I desperately want to know. So I'm talking about where, like, People just casually ask each other out on dates all the time. It means very little. People are very much more, sure, I'll go out with you. Why not? Uh, uh. You go out with one person one night. You go out with another person another night. It doesn't mean you're going steady. It doesn't mean that by asking you are ready to declare yourself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I feel it's also like a chicken or the egg conversation too, right? What came first? Did that kind of dating happen? and end up in books or did someone make that up and then made people try to pretend to do that in real life context wise for me growing up in jamaica dating is not a thing not the way that we've seen it in movies and tv shows whatever growing up for me dating was not like any of that it was like you were in school with this person you had a crush on them you were really awkward you told them you liked them they told you they didn't like you and then you just cried forever (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. or if it worked out, you guys would meet up at the movies or whatever. And yeah, there was a, a lot of monogamy tied to that. Because if you talked, especially coming from female perspective, mm-hmm. the femme presenting perspective, if you talked to multiple people at once, you're a hoe. Right. But if Obviously. guys yeah. date multiple girls, oh, Gallus. That's like big boss, you know, big player. Like that's that's what we're doing. And so there is still that whole toxic patriarchy shit behind it. And I think that is an important thing to consider when we're talking about dating as well, because it's definitely not for the benefit of the woman, how Mm -hmm. we've read it in books and, and TV shows and stuff. It's all about the man feeling great and being able to assert that he is amazing enough to have this person spend time with him when you see women asking men out and again this is very specifically straight Mm -hmm. as how we see it in romance novels and in media women asking men out is a subversive thing this is like this oh 
wow, she's really going and mm-hmm. she's putting it out there. Which makes you think like and then maybe who is this... maybe a little too aggressive, right? So really, who is this for? Who is this idea of dating for? Is it for women to feel swept off their feet by men? But then why does it center men if it's about our pleasure? Okay, so now you're, you're asking some tough questions here. But yeah. also, if anybody was like a teenager or twenty something in the eighties, please update me and yes. tell me if you if you just non monogamously dated. Yeah, let us know. So my relationship with that is also very much not that. And I'm not sure if it's specifically for Caribbean context, as opposed to growing up in the US or in the UK and having different experiences in that way. But that dating in that way has never been something that's a part of my experience as a Jamaican woman. And mine either as a millennial American woman growing up in the Northeast in a middle class I mean like we could we could go down into the intersections of this a million ways but hey you want to talk about some romance novels yes always okay always. okay so we're gonna start by talking about Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon this is fairly new came out yeah. in 2020 sometime and this is part of the Beards and Bondage series is it part of correct yeah. yes it is book three Okay, after Sanctuary, which was book two, which was actually covered on the podcast with Norma Perez Hernandez a long time ago. So you can go look that up if you want to listen to an episode that talks about more Rebecca Weatherspoon books. So, Jen, can you give an overview of what Harbor is about? And could you mention what kind of polyamorous relationship is portrayed on page And then I'd like to talk about what aspects of good polyamory they're portraying. Oh, yes, of course. So Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, You have our lovely heroes because it is a triad. Let's start there. So it's a triad. There are two men and a lady, like two men and a baby, but it's two men and a lady. Um, You have Vaughn and you have uh, Shaw. They were in a triad with another woman what was her name again corinne so they're with corinne and corinne is brutally murdered because it is it is rebecca weatherspoon's beards and bondage series it gets a little dark corinne's brutally murdered in bed with another man (laughs) so she's definitely two-timing on them that other man is our heroine's fiance (laughs) so they're both dealing with the fact that their partners were cheating on them and have died tragically oh yeah the heroine is is brooklyn the, the sister of the heroine from Sanctuary. So that's how this whole series is connected, by the by. So Brooklyn is dealing with the fact that her fiancé was murdered and cheating on her with this other woman. Vaughn and Shaw are dealing with the fact that they thought their triad was going great and she was murdered and cheating on them. So we're both dealing with this whole thing. They come together to help each other through the grief. And that gets a little sexy. And then... At the end, there's a wedding. That's the most important thing you need to know. All the messy stuff in the middle, who cares about that? The point is that at the end, there is a triad wedding. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't even think this is a spoiler because I feel like some people entering this book who are traditional romance readers might actually be really comforted by that idea. Yes, yes, because it is as close to the binary of a monogamous romance you're going to get. That ties into the whole triad thing. So... It's a closed triad. So a closed triad means that they're only dating each other. They're only with each other. Vaughn and Shaw had that with Corinne. And obviously she fucked that up big time. <laughs> and now at the end of the book, they have that with Brooklyn. 
And Brooklyn is coming from a very monogamous background. So the idea of there being two men that she wants to be with and that want to be with her is foreign and definitely something that would make her run for the hills. They're coming from a very intense situation where you thought your life was going to go one way. You thought you were going to get married to this amazing person and live the suburban dream as we've been taught it. 2.5 kids, pick and fence, you know, golden retriever, whatever it is. And having that destroyed due to infidelity and murder, Mm -hmm. yikes. Not only are you dealing with the loss of your partner, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the loss of your partner who isn't as amazing as you thought they were. Yeah. So I think that I really enjoy the journey that you get with Vaughn and Sean Brooklyn because it's them helping each other out of grief and also doing that individual work for themselves. And you see that on the page, which doesn't Mm -hmm. usually happen in a lot of more mainstream romance novels. Let's put it that way. You're not usually seeing this individual work that the person is doing on page to get out of grief or to figure out how am I going to do this? And because she has never been in a non-monogamous situation before, been in any kind of unconventional partnership, she has a lot of work to do in figuring out how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. The guys have their betrayal work to do and the grief and all that stuff and how to ultimately love and respect her as an individual and an equal partner in the relationship. And the wedding at the end is pretty much the icing on top of the cake for me because you don't get to see non-monogamous weddings in books. It's not a thing that happens. It's usually there is a a duo who in the triad who's like, okay, we get married for this thing or they're already married Mm -hmm. and they're bringing in this third. And so the fact that they chose to make that commitment together was very sweet to me. And also that they risked sharing that with people they were close to in their life. Like, they could have gotten away, and I say gotten away, like, the way they live their lives, like, they probably could have done whatever they wanted and kept it a secret from most people in their life. But to make that public commitment about that relationship that goes against a lot of society's norms, not just society's norms at large, but if I remember correctly, Shaw's family had some very particular issues around him not being heterosexual. I think so. Like, the fact that he was in a relationship with a man was particularly troubling to them, I believe. And and so this marriage was not legally binding because I'm not going to look up laws and stuff, but... It's not legally binding. It's fine. There is no... It's not allowed. (laughs) It's not allowed legally. So the fact that they made this commitment to each other, made the commitment to each other in front of all their friends and family and cemented it is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And there's also another element to this book, which is the BDSM element to it. Right, so yeah, because yeah. the bondage part of the, because the bondage series, there is a Who strong a BDSM. Did they both have uh, beards? In this book, I don't, Sean must have a beard. He's, he's a woodworker. Like he seems like a beard mm, guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Yes, we're just totally off track. Rebecca, who has a beard? Yes, I don't remember. Okay, but Rebecca, you'll tell us. But yeah, there's that whole BDSM dynamic to it too, where it's not just that she's trying to figure out how to love someone else again, then to love two people again, Mm -hmm. but she's also not thrust into, but also thrust into this kink lifestyle as well and how she might want to be with them in that way. And And the communication around that is really great because she's very open-minded, but she's also very in touch with her own feelings about it, which I really appreciated seeing. She was 
very communicative with herself and with her partners about, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And I'm going to be assertive and tell you that. And I'm open-minded. Maybe we can try it. Or here are some things I'm definitely not into. I, I thought it was really nice to see that communication where everybody was, let me just be very vulnerable and put out on the table things I'm interested in. I'm offering it. I'm not going to shove this down your throat. Like it's on offer and it's up to you if you want to take part. Yeah. I guess that's one of the things I love about Rebecca's writing in this book that everything happens on page. There is no awkward moment where you're wondering, wait, how did we get here? Which I have found in some romance novels where there's the conflict happens and all of a sudden there's a wedding at the end. And you're like, wait, how did we get past this point? What kind you of you almost did we died and I suddenly realized I loved you and uh, we're not going to talk at all about all that other stuff. Yeah, it's just and so I loved that every single bit of negotiation was on page. I have written down Brooklyn is a badass, scared ass bitch. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much exactly what she was. She was scared to make these sorts of things, but still assertive enough to have that conversation, that communication with the guys, which I really liked. And Shaw, our furniture maker, is like our gruff, mean but secretly a softy man mm -hmm. while Vaughn is like the openly softy man, which is funny because Vaughn's the attorney. So you would think, oh yeah, Wasn't that's the badass like a, right there. Like a family attorney or something. I can't remember. Yeah. He has so yeah. much love to give. And I, I loved that. I loved how they loved her and how she learned to love more about herself through that kind of relationship and understanding even when they weren't together because of course there's always a part in the book where there's like the conflict even through the conflict where they weren't together you could still see the process of her still keeping in mind the positive things they've taught her about communication and loving herself and being open to love other people and therapy and all the john therapy I is just, key always therapy always as, listen Especially if you're trying to get into some non-monogamous shit, y'all need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Especially to go to ther if your fiancé who was cheating on you was found dead in bed, murdered with your new lover's ex-lover. Ex yeah. See, it gets it's a little messy when you say it out loud like that. But mm -hmm. yes, therapy was very important there. So I also appreciate that. Like I said, it's like a guilt and grief and tragedy but there's also like that instant chemistry when they first meet, which they have to fight because it's like... At a funeral. <laughs> like, like, it's like, I have to fight how I feel about this instant attraction to someone because we're all grieving and this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love that they're also aware of that. This is this doesn't make any sense. A lot I'm of Rebecca Weatherspoon romance novels have people like meeting at funerals. I'm noticing this pattern now. Rebecca, maybe we should talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So let's talk about Neighborly because just to be fair, I don't know if Katrina would even call this a romance novel. No, I think that she considers it more of an erotic sort of thing. So I guess we'll just call it erotic romance. Yeah. There's plenty of love on page. I don't want to naysay the love on page, but the new relationship that is explored in Neighborly is... It's intimate, but it's not romantic at mm -hmm. that particular point that we are exposed to it. Yes. So what is Neighborly about and what kind of relationship is explored on page? 
Oh, Neighborly. One of my favorites. Actually, Harper and Neighborly are two of my favorites. So Calvin and Haven are engaged and they're renting like half of a duplex. Their landlords are Steve and Natasha. And Steve and Natasha are married and Haven is getting the hots for Tasha. There's like a thing. Haven's also not really openly bisexual or anything. This is one of the first times that she's really interrogating her feelings about women. She's having her feelings about that because I think it's also that she's never had those feelings while she's with Calvin. With Calvin, they're very... She's she's like, I'm monogamous. I love this man. We have an awesome sexual connection. What more could I want? Yeah. And then she meets Tasha and all the feelings are there in her lady parts. And so there's an instant connection between the two of them and... They're trying to figure out how to best give each other what they really want. And they do multiple Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Thank you, Katrina, for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're talking about two relationships that are open Mm -hmm. relationships. Yes, they are. One of them at the beginning of the story is open and the second one becomes an open relationship through the power of communication. Through the power of communication. Y'all, y'all are sleeping on communication. Trust me, it is the most important part of any relationship you will ever have. But yeah, Calvin and Haven Heaven are like, you know, we're monogamous, we're engaged, we're just together, there's no one else. And then she's, ah, but Tasha though, I'm very conflicted. And he's like, girl, just go get Tasha. Damn, why are you being no weird? There's no reason for a conflict here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why are you being weird? Just go get Tasha. And she's like, what about you? He's like, I can play my PlayStation or something, I guess. Like, you just do whatever she's you gotta do. He's the gym all the time anyways. Yeah, like, he's working out. He's doing his thing. And Steven has always been supportive of Tasha getting whatever she needs. And so when he realizes that Tasha's super into Haven Heaven, yeah, I'm just calling her the two names now. <laughs> Haven like, Heaven. You know, he's like, girl what you waiting for i don't know she's into me and he's like tasha you fine as hell why why you playing go get yours part of the communication in this novel is really aided by the fact that the walls are extremely thin so when (laughs) definitely a theme when one woman is moaning the other's name as she masturbates it's incredibly clear that the other person is into them so that helps definitely helps so this is a z relationship I call it a Z. Some people call it an N. I just prefer Z because it has the thing people on equal footing and parallel this way. I'm doing things with my hands. One on top of the other opposed to side by side. Don't know what I mean. Because there's not necessarily like a wife swap in any way. It's not like Calvin's also trying to sleep with Tasha. He's mm-hmm. very much only into Haven Heaven, only wants to be with Haven Heaven <laughs> and is you know, very content with that. And Steven is not trying to be with Haven Heaven either. He's just trying to let Tasha do her thing. So Calvin and Steven, there's no wife swapping. There is no swords crossing. There is no other sort of intimate connection that exists outside of the two women having their encounter. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. it's a Z. Calvin mm-hmm. and Heaven are connected. Heaven Haven is connected to Tasha. I was connected to Steven. See. And yeah, very sexy. Katrina Jackson writes some novels that are romance novels with a traditional HEA and, or at least HFN, happily for now. And then, yeah, she writes some romance novels that are like explicitly erotic and then some that are somewhere in between where I think that the big thing is even her books that are explicitly erotic and not quote unquote romantic, there is a lot of respect that 
all of the people feel for Mm -hmm. each other. Like, absolutely. None of these relationships are treated as disposable. Like, everybody respects everybody else, sees them as a person, as an individual. And even if they are only seeking a sexual relationship, it's a very uh, loving sexual relationship. Yeah, there is an intimacy there between them, but the basis of their attraction that we see is very sexual and it is very rooted in sex and fulfilling that sort of erotic, physical Mm -hmm. connection to each other. But this formation, you don't really see it happening a lot in any kind of non-monogamous romance that exists. Because like I said, usually you'll see stuff like triads. If you're seeing non-monogamous polyamorous stuff popping up in romance, it's very much triads Mm -hmm. are like the the de facto because it is the closest thing, like I said, you're going to get to a monogamous pairing. Mm -hmm. You can just pretend it is and just maybe take out that extra person in your mind, especially with how they're usually written. So this kind of pairing was very interesting to see because we don't really talk about most other polyamorous pairings outside of triads so i really liked seeing this in this way and uh, the communication that they couples had with within themselves within their own personal units and also like with each other where calvin and Stephen were just kind of like so we helping them do this or what mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like yeah great uh, you want to watch the game or something let's just get them started get them all riled up and then they'll be off doing their thing mm-hmm. we can watch the game or something bro have some beers it's fine and so i think that this kind of relationship is actually the kind that some romance readers might have the most trouble with in terms of that lack of finality. Yeah. Like, when we talked about the closed triad in Harbor, there is this expectation of going on forever or whatever that means. There is this, like, finality to it. It's these three people. They are committed to each other. Nobody else is coming in. Nobody's getting out. Whereas in Neighborly, I think that the way it is left is this is great for now. Is this going to go on forever? They're not going to have any long-term commitment. Maybe at some point in the future, Heaven and Calvin move out and buy their own house or move somewhere else like for his career or her career or whatever. There's no sense that this goes on forever. And, and also it's open. Maybe Tasha wants a relationship with somebody else in addition to her marriage. Like there's just so much up in the air. And so... I'm curious what you think, specific to this idea that romance readers are primarily craving this emotional resolution. In episode 68, Dr. Danielle Knafo said, we do not know, we do not want to know what really happens ever after. We want the happily ever after, which is the fantasy ever after. Hard agree. Hard agree. As someone who reads romance for that, I don't want to be thinking about in a historical about the syphilis and the pox or anything. I don't want to be mm-hmm. thinking about that. All the things that are, you know, at play there in Victorian or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or the war that's London. coming eight years later. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I don't want to be thinking about that. That's the sort of escape that I look for in my romance novels. And I think that, especially for Neighborly, I think it's a bit too... Realistic in the sense where we are allowed to figure out a bit more and have more context and understanding of all the ways in which this could or could not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, or how it will end. There's a yeah. pretty good understanding of what's going to happen eventually. Yeah, either they're going to keep doing this or they're not. And if they're not, it's, is it going to be weird? Is it, we get to see too many of the, I don't know, maybe the fatalist, fatalistic ideas of how it could go wrong in a mm-hmm. situation like this. 
And so I think it removes some people from the romance of it. Also, some people just find it disgusting. So there is that. Um, people em. are those people <laughs> right so i feel as if and this is a feeling not rooted in any sort of like real thought or conversation or whatever i feel as if a lot of people who enjoy mainstream romance novels that don't really stray too far outside of what they read when they were younger or what they were comfortable with then don't understand how relationships and romance and these sorts of interactions are occurring in modern times and how we can put them in you know more contemporary erotic romance-ish novels right Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day there's still this idea that exists thanks to big media and whatever about a very sister wife big love sort of thing where non-monogamy is the dude who was a Mormon with a bunch of wives Mm -hmm. and crap ton of kids and doing that sort of male centered, the the Mm -hmm. relationship is centered for the male gaze exclusively and polyamory is centered on a man's perspective and connection to his many bisexual or heterosexual partners. And when you look at a situation like in Neighborly, where it really has nothing to do with the guys, like absolutely nothing to do with them. It's definitely centered on the women and their pleasure and their understanding of each other and how they want their relationship to go. It's still a thing that people don't want to see that on page. They want to see our heroines in respect to who their monogamous partners are supposed to be. They don't want to have them explore anything outside of the binary that we're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to you. It does. And I, I think this is where I think that as much as many people who read romance novels are like, yes, I can separate fantasy from reality. I think that there are a lot of things we can separate, but I think that this is where we have to acknowledge the insidious nature of the narratives that we consume. Like, not just in romance novels, starting in fairy tales that you might read as a child, and then Disney movie versions of those fairy tales, and all aspects of the media that surround us that send us these messages of monogamy, basically, and like what we should want and what we should desire. I think that just to talk about how this pervades our thinking and then changes how we feel about people who don't want to be in a monogamous relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. That idea that non-monogamous relationships are less than or not as important because you're not traveling on the relationship escalator. You're not hitting the points you're supposed to hit or that it's a phase. It must be a phase because you could never really want to live your life like this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those thoughts that come into it. And so I find that when you put non-monogamy in a romance novel, the expectation is that it's going to end monogamously no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. So I was suggested a romance novel the other day because I posted on Twitter asking for black steak non-monogamous romance novels of course i said black non-monogamous romance that's not katrina jackson it was a very specific statement (laughs) and so of course i got the harbor recommendation i got a couple other recs which are not black it was definitely interracial so people are forgetting what black romance is black obviously only black people black only black people in the romance y'all only black people that's what i want polyamorous 
That's more than two. (laughs) Yeah, more than two. One of the books that was recommended to me in private and like a DM, yeah, there was a non-monogamous storyline where they made the other partner the villain and had her leave him and end up with the person she was meant to end up with all along. Mm. So you're like, oh, this is a non-monogamous story. It's, I guess there was something in it. If the message of the happily ever after is like, and then they lost that other person, which they didn't need anyways. Yeah. And it's, lived happily ever after in a monogamous twosome. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, do you guys know what I'm asking for? I don't think you know what I'm asking for. But yes, we never ask these questions on Twitter because the answers are always disappointing, <laughs> except for from certain people. But yeah, these are the things that we have to think about. This idea that if it doesn't fit the idea that's been thrust into our brains since especially for millennials, babyhood, mm-hmm. that the, those partnerships don't matter. They're not relevant. It's the same thing that we see with the people who believe that queer people shouldn't have rights and feelings and stuff. You're like, whoa, that's not normal. That's not normal. Like you have to make that choice to be that way. Do you genuinely think that I would have chosen to make my life harder? Like on purpose. I like to hurt my own feelings, but not about like my whole identity. Yeah. Yeah. No. But can so I just I, say, Yeah. even if it is a choice... Who the fuck cares? Why does it bother you? Why is it your business what I do? But yeah, there are these ideas that come from that where people don't believe that any relationship that does not fit that monogamous binary is valid. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's heterosexual. Shoot. Like, I think some people are now like, okay, I guess I can have like gay romance novels or like lesbian romance novels. I guess that can be a thing now. Mm-hmm. But you're still missing out on representation for the non-monogamous peeps what about us what about you about us and especially in black non-monogamous romance that those numbers are few and far between Mm -hmm. and i do want more black non-monogamous romance i do i'm tired of reading about white people do non-monogamy and it just reinforces the narrative that it's white people shit i'm tired Mm -hmm. of it I'm tired. Why can't I get beautiful black people doing things or like beautiful Latinx people doing things or, or you know? ugly people? I mean, no, it's a romance no, no, novel. That's no too one's far. ugly. That's too far. <laughs> it's a romance novel. No one is ugly. We're in a fantasy, so everyone is gorgeous and accomplished and wealthy. Uh, <laughs> I've thought about that. But, anyways, dang. Mm-hmm. I, I think to be fair, when you ask for recommendations, there is not a lot out there. Like, it's not just that people yeah. aren't reading the wealth of things that exist it's there are not many that is the problem like i said i know that people like sierra simone have written non-monogamous romance novels megan mulry and robin lovett did have a non-monogamous ish storyline in her planet thing thing, desire planet thing the planet desire where the atmosphere makes them all horny and want to fuck oh yeah yeah, so there was a kind of like a non-monogamous thing there because the aliens are non-monogamous. They don't believe in monogamy. Mm-hmm. The idea of monogamy to them is like, <gasps> why would you want to do that? Which yeah. I thought was really funny. But yeah, there are people who are putting non-monogamy in books or having non-monogamy show up in their work. But again, what about the black pansexual Jamaican polyamorous woman? Why am I not in the book? Yeah, and Jen is obviously available to consult, be a sensitivity reader, 
yeah pay her but for that (laughs) yeah pay me but also like I'm, i'm down to talk about stuff like this and the kind of representation that I would like to see and connect you with other people who mm-hmm. are not like an expert. You're, you're in the community. In the space. If I don't know something, don't worry. I can get you the person that does. So yeah. that is my thing. I think of myself as more of a connector, a hooker upper. Mm-hmm. Jen, sweet Jen. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Where can people find you online talking about romance? And how can they check out Monogamish? Oh, you can find me on the tweet, on that Twitter. I have two accounts. So there's the at Monogamish Pod account, which we post stuff there about the podcast. And then there's Have You Met Jen, which is like a play on How I Met Your Mother with Barney's Have You Met Ted? Yeah. And let's be clear that that Jen is spelled with an H, -H J-H-E-N. Yes, that's it. I'm also on Instagram at Have You Met Jen. Same thing for Monogamish Pod. You can definitely listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just go to the monogamishpod.com website and you can find all the links to our show notes, episodes. I have some podcasting resources, I have a list of appearances that we've been on, I have a little merch shop. You guys should definitely merch. check that out get merch nice monogamous shirt people should definitely check out if you are a romance fan you should definitely check out maybe start with katrina's episodes yes yes katrina's episodes i think it's episode nine of season one and then it was episode i think 14 of season two like she's there on both of those if you really just want to hear me talk about romance novels a lot if you just listen to all the monogamous pod episodes it'll come up (laughs) It'll come up. It'll definitely, it'll show up. It'll yeah. be there. Jen, if you could tell the world just one thing, what would it be? Believe, support, and pay Black women. Thank you. If you want like a polyamorous, like non-monogamous thing, it's be ethical and intentional about how you engage with people. Because if you don't show up as your real self <laughs> in a way that's supportive of your true intentions and your partner then why are you there and communicate oh did you guys enjoy that i i enjoyed that there just so you know there is a part that will be on andrea's episode that it's not here and of course it's her outro i mean we we used her intro because i thought it was nice and super cool and it talks about me and um but her outro is just for shelf love and there is also a little bonus clip in which we talk about ice planet barbarians and sex toy testing in space and guys there's a lot of stuff going on there there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on there if you want to hear that you can hop on over to shelf love you can search for shelf love wherever you get your podcasts you can check out the website which is shelflovepodcast.com you can find andrea on twitter and instagram at shelf love don't ask me what that was about but yeah shelf love podcast pretty much everywhere that you need to find andrea she has a link tree as well i like link tree so much by the way i use it to post a lot of our stuff there this is sidebar slash unrelated but oh we've got a we've got a link planted (laughs) in our garden is that what you're saying (laughs) Uh, but yes, just go to Shelf Love Podcast. Like I said, she also has a Goodreads profile. I forget what her name on Goodreads is. But you can to Shelf Love anywhere you get your pods. Right. That's it for Andrea. But what about for us? 
Where can you guys find us? I'm sure you know this all by now, but we'll say it again. Twitter and Instagram at MonogamishPod. We have a Facebook page, which I'm attempting to do things to. Facebook.com slash MonogamishPod. We have a website, MonogamishPod.com. We have a SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash MonogamishPod, where we post the three latest episodes because we are cheap. Kidding, we're not cheap. We're just, yeah, we're kind of cheap. I mean, you know, hey. It's kinda, it's, we're kind of cheap. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, post the three latest episodes there. But of course, all our regular episodes come out wherever you get your pods. We have a merch shop. Which is um, you can go into it by going to the website and clicking the shop button or monogamishpod.threadless.com. Let's see. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash monogamishpod. We are an 18 plus platform just because of the content that we discuss and some of the things that we may post. So you have to search for us that way by typing in the full address. You can't just type in monogamish pod on patreon because you won't see us yeah, we are too sexy for the search unfortunately we're too sexy for the search too sexy for the search so sexy it hurts other people so we're gonna have to keep doing that from now on then huh <laughs> i guess so i guess that's our new thing um let's see where else am i missing you can just send us money if you guys want you know tell well, yes we like money the podcast going um we accept it via Patreon, of course. Like I said, you actually get stuff when you sign up to be patrons. So oh, yeah, of course. Great. Bonus episodes, bonus content, you know, all the works. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also do it on Anchor directly. I think it's anchor.fm slash monogamishpod slash support. Something like that. I don't know. But you'll see it if you go to the anchor.fm slash monogamishpod. You'll find it there, too. Um, which is where we host our podcast, by the way. Ha, ha, ha. Is there anything else that I forgot to add, Sham? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Uh, no, I think you got all of it. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Anchor. Oh, of course, you know, like, rate, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, whichever one you prefer. Five stars if you got it. Or just give us a review. You know, that really helps with us moving yes. up the charts, getting more people to look at us. Don't you, don't you want more people to find us, to be a part of this great monogamous little family that we've created, created together? Yes, you do. You do. You want this. You do. I'm not sure if she's saying that or if she's trying to like hypnotize you. Like, you want this. You want us to grow. (laughs) It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. I don't know. That's where we're at. And so we also want to thank once again our friends at Alt Playground. Remember to sign up today at altplayground.net. Check out the big wall. Check out our community, Monogamish Pod. Um, we also have some great friends who are not playground, like Black and Kinky, you know, Sweet Life, which, by the way, there might be a Sweet Life, you know, monogamous pod thing happening in the future. You guys Ooh, have to tease. wait to see. See, I'm a tease in a good way. Um, so I'm going to leave you with that little tidbit. Until next time, I'm Jen. Mm-hmm. I'm Sham. And... and- we're monogamous. We're monogamous.